The Battle of Yorktown, 1781. You're listening to Hamilton, shot by shot. I'm your host, Brian. I'm your co-host, Rose. Today we're joined by a special guest, Blake. Hey guys, um, I'm Blake from the Blake and Sal Show with Mark and other podcasts that I can plug later. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we'll definitely jump into that at the end for sure. But uh, today we are here to talk about the song. The Battle of Yorktown. All right. This is, uh, this is a big song here, and I'm happy to have Blake join us for this. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm really excited. I'm really excited for this. Yeah, this, this is a great, this is a fun one. I've been, um, we usually, you know, talk about the song or rank it afterwards and all that, but I'm just going to show my hand right away. This is a phenomenal song, and I, I, I had such a good time preparing for this episode. <laughs> yeah, this is by far my favorite song of the entire show. Like, by far my favorite song. I get pumped up by the end. Like, you can't not get pumped up by the end of the song. Possible. <laughs> it's so good. Now, Rose, you, you've said repeatedly yours is probably burn, right? Mm-hmm. I, I don't know. My tastes change from day to day whenever I listen to one, but I really like this one. Your favorite is You'll Be Back. Yeah, it might be just because it's fun. <laughs> I love the King. <laughs> it's such a fun song. But this one is is epic. I think it's, I would say it's more epic than My Shot because a lot of people say that, right? Uh, Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Well, instead of just me fawning over it. <laughs> I forgot about this song, though. It calls back to my shot, which I love. Like, I love the fact that it does that. Me too. And that's the the type of songs in this musical that I like a lot that kind of either prepare you for one that's going to come soon, it teases it, or it references one that's already been there. And yeah, that definitely does my shot. Before we get into the song, because as, as excited as I am, Blake, I want to know your history with Hamilton. Like, clearly you're a fan. <laughs> clearly you <laughs> like this song. <laughs> so what, what is, yeah, what's your history behind it? I have not seen it in person. It came to Milwaukee right before the pandemic, and the tickets were too expensive. I couldn't do it. There was no way I could afford those tickets. It was like, like 120 bucks for the cheap seats. Like, it was not happening. <laughs> way too expensive. So my wife does not understand my obsession with this show. <laughs> she doesn't understand it. I based my whole thing on the soundtrack. Like I heard the soundtrack right around. I'm a big um, Broadway person, big Broadway person. And around the time the Tony Award nominations come out, I usually go to the Tony Award nominations. I listen to the soundtrack of the shows, and that's usually how I pick my winners and pick my picks because I don't obviously see everything. And with Hamilton, I heard all the hype. I heard all the hype. I heard all the hype, but I never listened to the soundtrack. So I sat listening to the soundtrack while I was at work, and I was enthralled, <laughs> absolutely enthralled by the whole thing. Couldn't believe it. So when it came to Tony's night, I'm like, they're winning everything. They're going to win everything. Like, this is no doubt in my mind they're winning everything that night. I think they only lost one award all night. Wow. <laughs> yeah, they lost one award. Ironically, it was Philip DeSue who did not win Best um, Fair Actress. He was the only person they didn't win. Do you remember who might have won in her place? Color Purple. Color Purple. That's um, oh, okay. The Color Purple came out, and one of the little girls from there beat Hamilton. It was the only uh, thing that beat Hamilton the entire night. <laughs> I don't know. I, I mean, I'm a little biased, obviously, but I think she, I think she was robbed. <laughs> yeah, but so my wife listened to the soundtrack, but did not understand why I liked it so much. Like, she didn't get it. <laughs> She's like, why do you like this so much? So then during the pandemic, when we were Disney Plus released it, we all sat down and we watched it all together. And I'm the only one that was like, top-notch, unbelievable. Everyone else was like, I don't get it. <laughs> I don't understand. <laughs> but me, I'm just like, I'm so into it where I'm loving this. And yeah, that's why I'm here. We've, um, we actually had uh, Chris Dorkach on and he is not exactly a fan of this uh, show. He falls asleep to it every Fair. time. <laughs> Fair. I understand it. If it's, if you're not like, 
like my wife even asked me she's like are you, is this because of the historical thing because of the music i'm not even a rap person i'm not a hip-hop person mm-hmm. but like i love the show just because of what it is but i'm also a fan of 1776 so like i love that show too so i'm it's not just i love american history too but i'm not like one of those like i'm not gonna sit and read read like Chernow's book <laughs> i'm not gonna do that like i try to listen to the audiobook and i almost fall asleep so i'm not gonna oh. do that <laughs> But no, I, like, for instance, I was joking, you saw on Instagram when we recorded this, I have the Hamilton, which is the, um, for those who don't know what that is, it's the Hamilton, the Revolution book that came out right when the, when the show was going red hot. It's actually where my references are coming from for the show when we go through the song. <laughs> oh, that, <laughs> and, that's uh, perfect. Yeah. Well, the cool part is like, the funny part is there's also an audiobook version. For those who don't want to buy this $45 book, they don't want to buy this. It was a gift. I didn't pay for this. It was a gift. <laughs> if you don't want to pay for it, there is an audiobook version. And the cool part of the audiobook, there's like liner notes for each song in the book. And Lynn reads the liner notes to you on the audiobook. Oh, that's cool. He yeah, reads them all. That's, really yeah, cool. that's something we need to look into, kid. Yeah. 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 It's, unaudible is definitely worth it. Nice. Okay, cool. Well, good. I'm glad to have you here, Blake, with uh, with that uh, little bit of uh, extra information that we don't have. So that's going to be perfect. Let's just write into the song then, if you guys are cool with that. Battle of Yorktown. The world turned upside down. It's timestamp 58 minutes and 44 seconds on Disney+. And it's about a four minute, two seconds, give or take, um, runtime. It's actually, for some reason, I felt like it was a longer song. I was going to say, that's that, that short, really? It's that short of a yeah. song? It feels so much longer. It really does. I know. I swear when I was looking at it again, I'm like, is it, I'm sure it's not six minutes, but I mean, that's that's what I came up with on the soundtrack. That'd be way too long. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there is a six minute song though. Which you. one? Uh, my shot's like six, eight minutes long, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> I think so. Yeah. Can't, I think the one at the end is, is pretty long too, where he, mm-hmm. actually, no, it's not. It's, um, it might be one of the second longest song. I think one of the second longest, like second or third longest song in the whole show. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, because I was just looking back and I'm like, well, yeah, let's just get right into the Battle of Yorktown. I mean, this is, you know, this is a real life battle, but um, they the the Broadway cast, you know, they set it up. They do the Battle of Yorktown 1781, you know. <laughs> I love that stuff, by the way. I love the timestamps they do in this show. Like, they do it so creatively throughout the whole thing. Like, it's so cool. Yeah, like, if this was a real movie, it would have, like, the um, the title card at the bottom, you know. <laughs> so they exactly. have to do it. I love like that. Oh, one more thing before I forget, before we get into the song, because you said you're not a Broadway person. Right. When they did the Tony Awards, this was a song. This was their apartment song. I saw that. It was yeah. History Has Died on You in New Yorktown. Okay. And if you watch the performance, that's how I started the song for the first time. They don't have their muskets. Oh, on okay. World, on, yeah. the, on the Tony Awards, because, I don't know if people know this, the day, is it the day of, the night, I think it was the day of the Tony Awards. There was a massive, it was the night before the Tony Awards, there was a massive nightclub shooting in Orlando. Oh right! At a, okay. at a at a gay club in Orlando, and in true and so Lynn said we're going to do the performance, but we're not going to have guns. So if you watch the performance from the Tony Awards, they're miming their muskets oh, as you watch the performance. Uh, that's <laughs> funny because the, for whatever reason, this clip from the Disney Plus version isn't on YouTube, but the Tony Awards one is. And I started watching it, but I'm like, well, we're not reviewing the Tony Awards, so I stopped it. So I never even realized that they were. Mm-hmm. Not using the muskets, I because I you know I, I stopped it pretty early. I got to a show that night and I got an alert from somebody saying, "Would you watch it? Keep in mind they don't have their muskets." I'm like, "Wait, what? Wait, what's going on?" And I didn't realize what was going on because I was at a wrestling show, so I, I didn't watch Tony Ward live that night. So I didn't realize what was happening until I got home. I was like, "Oh my god, really? Wow!" Yeah, I'm gonna go back and watch it now and see if that looks weird or not. But you know, as a kid, you play guns without actually having guns sometimes, so you just I pantomime it. Yeah. 
you, know, you do this, you know, you pull your hold. I never did that. Well, I mean, boys a lot of times do, but so more a boys thing. It really is more of a boys <laughs> thing. It is, yeah. I mean, it's not exclusive of boys, but it's pretty much you know, bang bang. You know, it's <laughs> mm. what you do. All right, so yeah, I'm gonna look out for that. Let's get into it. Hamilton and Lafayette, two of my favorite guys, kick it off. They say hi to each other. Wait, how do you say? It? Come on, Monsieur, 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 Monsieur. Monsieur. I I don't know. I don't. I don't I, even know I, what you were trying to say. I'm trying. I can say it, but I'm like I I you know I I mess up words in my head. I believe it's Monsieur, like um. I think I I I know the line more from like Beauty and the Beast because laugh because I'm Lumiere talks like that all the time. Like I'm so like that's where I've heard it from. <laughs> so you know Lafayette basically commends Hamilton for being back for not being back but for being in command where he belongs. He's been wanting that this whole time. <laughs> in fact, Washington sent him home over a little scuffle over that. Mm-hmm. They basically said that you know they they have they've had quite a run. And of course, they they get this. This is the applause line of the whole song. I think is yeah. you know, immigrants. We get the job done. Everybody cheers, uh, at least on the Disney Plus version. What about about that line? Um, and they they talk about it on the in the on the audio version on the audio on the audio book. Apparently, they had to reloop the music so many times to figure out how to get this line because the crowd pops so hard for it every <laughs> single solitary night. <laughs> it was such a crazy situation. Every single night we had this issue. It's also a funny part about that line. It led to a song. Of, I don't know if you've ever heard of the Hamilton mixtape. Uh, parts of it, yes. Yeah. On, on that soundtrack, on that whole album, that led from this line, Immigrants, We Get the Job Done. The name of the song is Immigrants, We Get the Job Done. And it turned into this whole big rap song about how great immigrants are in this country. <laughs> That's pretty <laughs> cool. <on> that line. <laughs> well, you know, and it's funny. The more we learn about some of these guys, I mean, I know a lot of them were all British to begin with, but a lot of them actually were immigrants. Like Mulligan was from Ireland. Mm-hmm. Um yep. You know, I mean, I, I, you know, that's all under the, the crown, I guess. But, you know, even uh, who did we learn about? Uh, Charles Lee. He was British, but he, you know, he resigned his commission and then joined the Colonials. So, mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, I mean, I guess I, I guess he wouldn't count as a immigrant in, in the in this story because he's, you know, it's British. Everybody's an immigrant. Well, that's true. Just, yeah. Just an immigrant. <laughs> yeah. Especially at, that, especially at that time. Yeah. Yeah. So that's a, that's a huge moment in, in the. Uh, and well, and I also like too at least in the Disney plus version, they're not singing. They take a break. It's almost like when he said, that's true. It's kind of like that. Like they kind of like, they ham it up. Like, well, especially by that point, they knew it was going to be a, a good reaction line. So they knew, they probably knew how to handle it by then, by the time it was exactly. home. So, but, but, you know, Hamilton asked Lafayette, what does he want to do? What, what's he going to do if they win? He's like, well, I'm going back to France and he's going to free his people, which they do, <laughs> you know? Um, and of course, Hamilton's like, well, we'll be by your side. Go ahead, Rose. Uh, yeah. I have a, a uh, fact about kind of what Lafayette said. Sure. Um, about the French Revolution. The French Revolution lasted from May fifth, seventeen eighty nine, until November 9th, seventeen ninety nine, and oh, wow. France won. Obviously. Now it is funny because Lafayette was considered more of a moderate revolutionist when when in France, and some of the more radical people that were like beheading everybody, they they didn't like that Lafayette wasn't so radical like them. So. I know it comes up later in the musical too. That does come up, I think, in a cabinet battle later. Yes. Revolution. Yep. Yep. Well, I'm sure we'll talk about that some more. I, I Lafayette. The more I hear about him, the more I want to know about him in real life. I agree. I absolutely agree. <laughs> <laughs> they basically you say, "All right, go go lead your men," and then they're like, "Till we meet again." You know, there are two guys going off to battle, and of course, that's where we get the 
the callback, I'm not going to throw away my shot. I'll get into it a little bit more, but it's going to be hard for him to throw away his shot because they're doing, they're fixing bayonets. (laughs) There's no shot to throw away. (laughs) Well, actually you're wrong because remember in later in the song, they said they're taking the bullets out of their guns. So they yeah. can actually hide people. So really, <laughs> it's possible. So at that time, yeah. But he is throwing away his shot because he's throwing the bullets on the ground because they're going to fix bayonets. But that wasn't his idea. That was Washington's. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'll get into more of that after. We'll, we'll get into some of the, the history of the song or uh, real life, the Battle of Yorktown, I should say. Uh, but he's young, scrappy, and hungry. You know, he's got to prove himself in battle, you know, and he's not going to throw away his shot till the world turns upside down. So, Rose, what do you think, you know, when they say, the world turns upside down, or in this case, till the world turns upside down. What do you think Hamilton is actually referring to in that case? I don't know if this is true, but I think um, it's going to be like flipped. It's going to be different. Yeah. Not the same as what it was before. Yeah, you're right. They're turning over the apple cart, basically, of the way things were always done. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, that's a good observation. Of course, then, you know, then he gets into Hamilton. This is gets into, you know, he's imagined death so much. It feels like a memory. I feel like that line is either come up before or it will definitely come up again. <laughs> it was in my shot. It was in my shot. And he does mention it at the end too, I think in act two. It comes up a lot, actually. It comes up a lot more in act two. That's one of my favorite things about this is the, is the callbacks like to these different songs, not, not just this song, but the, in general, because what was it? Meet me inside. They, didn't they do here comes the general for a quick second. Yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like I like that. You know, he's basically ready to die, you know, but he's got his friends with him, he said. You know, at least if he dies, he's got a friend with him, which I'm curious if he in the in the song he was talking about Lafayette because Lafayette and him were just speaking, or if he really meant in real life John Lawrence. And I'll get into that some more too. I think he's talking about Lafayette because he was the one he was talking to, but also I think it also might be his other the other people with him. Remember, he yeah. has other friends here, not just Lafayette. That's true. Because I, I mean, because in the song, and and uh, you know, we haven't got to that part yet, but he mentions about Lawrence being in South Carolina, but Lafayette was just there with him. However, I think I got some more info on Lawrence later. Do um, I? Yep. Do I? <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. So, but he, he says, "Well, look, actually, Eliza's expecting me to come home." She wants him to what? What is she always telling him to stay alive? Stay alive. Yeah. I wonder if that would be enough for her. I see what you did there. Yeah. <laughs> no. <laughs> but and then he's you know he's like, but also my wife Eliza is expecting. So of course he's got he's got more than just her to stay alive for. Yeah. Because before it was only just himself. Now he's got a wife and an ex, you know a family. Family. Yeah. And I also say I love the fact that they choose the same. He used the same word for two completely different meanings. Like, I love that. Like, it's the same word. It's the same rhyme, but it's two completely different ways of saying the same thing. Oh, yeah. It's, I mean, I, I didn't realize early on that Lin-Manuel Miranda wrote all these. And I didn't oh, realize yeah. that he was, you know, that he wrote Moana and stuff. You know, as you know, I don't know. This guy is really talented. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he did in the Heights first. He did in the Heights first. And that's when there were a lot of people realized. Oh crap! This guy is good. <laughs> I should watch the movie because I've never seen it. So okay, I'm, I'm, okay. I'm going to say something. A lot of people don't say about In the Heights. It's amazing. A lot of people go to that movie and they're like, "Um, it's all right. It's okay." I fell in love with it the first time I seen it, and it's one of the few things I watched on HBO Max on a regular. Like I love that movie so much. <laughs> Possible bonus episode there, uh, Rose. Maybe. <laughs> all right. 
they got to get start a new nation. And oh, you, Rose, were you gonna say something? I'm sorry. Yeah, uh, I know this is really late to say this fact, but I just thought of a fact for helpless. Sure. Can I? I'll say oh, that. I'm gonna correct a record later on something I said wrong a couple episodes ago. So go ahead. <laughs> I think I read in one of the books I have about Hamilton that Hamilton wrote a letter to his actual dad, and um, oh. he asked him to come to the wedding. And his dad said he would, but he either died before then or he just didn't show up. Oh. I think he just didn't show up. Did he go out for milk? He did that a while I'm before pumped. the wedding. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh, well, that's interesting. I, it's too, I mean, I'm, that's too bad for Hamilton that, he didn't, mm-hmm. that either he died or just didn't show up. Either Both are plausible. I think he died after. Okay. Hmm. He doesn't sound like a nice guy anyway. So. Yeah. <laughs> Okay, so yeah, he talks about he's got to start a new nation. He's going to greet his son, uh, but this there with the, of course you know now we're going to rhyme son with gun, son of a gun. <laughs> <laughs> Take the bullets out of your gun. What? I actually have a note for this line from the Hamilton, and it's actually interesting because we're talking about this a minute ago. It says right here that apparently this is really what happened, legitimately what happened. It's Hamilton's idea, not Washington's. It was Hamilton's oh. idea. Okay. To take the bullets out. To ensure no one would give away their sneak attack. All right. So that does contradict a little bit of what I saw on another source, but that doesn't mean, you know, I've, I've seen things contradict itself a lot with this history anyways. I, I think it's from I saw, Chernoff's book. book. So okay. that's why. So. I just saw from, I forget what, I think it was from some army artillery that we talked about the battle. It was like some, some, you know, symposium or something that mentioned it was Washington's idea. However, I think when Hamilton stole cannons early on before he became an aide de camp of Washington, I think they did something similar where they didn't fire a shot. They stormed and took these these um, cannons. They stole them and then turned the guns around and used them against the British. I forget what they talk about it early on in the show, too, I think. But I want to say so that that would basically what I'm, I'm saying is that could lend some credibility to the fact that it was Hamilton's idea. Because when he was like a captain and they led that charge, I think they didn't shoot anybody then. Like, I think they did do the same type of thing. So that could be, that that makes sense to me. Yeah, I got some facts about that, but you're right, Blake. That exactly is what happened. <laughs> uh, and I like I like when they get, they get the story correct. You know, obviously we've talked about this a hundred times. I bring it up every time. They change some of the, you know, names and places and times to fit a better story narrative. Mm-hmm. But for the most part, it's all pretty much what happened. You know what, though? Like, I understand that. I covered the movie Miracle over on my other, on my other podcast. And that movie is just like that, where it's like they follow the history books. They change things for certain things. But when it came to the important stuff, it's 100% yeah. accurate. Like, it's 100% dead on accurate. So, like. That is an amazing movie. I love that movie. <laughs> I believe in miracles. Yes. I, I I did a I did it for the Olympics, so there you go. <laughs> yeah, perfect. Um, all right, so you know Hamilton starts talking about his plan. They throw you know take the bullets out of the gun, move under undercover. We move as one through the night. We have one shot to live. We can't let a stray gunshot give us away. They move fast. I mean, they move fast. So we get fight up close, seize the moment. I like what they said, you know, don't either, either they're going to meet the business end of the bayonet or they're going to win. I like that. He said the code name is Rochambeau because Rochambeau. Rochambeau, you know, see who, to see who, who gets to go first. <laughs> but yeah, I like the fact that they have Rochambeau as the, as the code name basically, because Rochambeau was the guy who showed up with French troops. 
We talked about him before, didn't we, Rose? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think we were joking about the game Rochambeau <laughs> and the various meanings of it. That's where they start talking about is his friends are being scattered to the wind. So we get we get an update on where everybody is at this time. Lawrence is in South Carolina. Again, they bring up slavery because that was one of the things he spoke out against. Lafayette is there waiting in Chesapeake Bay. That comes into play as well. <laughs> Essentially with the British, uh, the British, the French uh, ships. And then he's like, but well, how did we know this was going to work? This is, I think, this is, one, <laughs> this is one of my favorite parts of the song. Mm -hmm. Unfortunately, they edited it out for, uh, this is one of the times where I wish it was left in this song because it's so epic when they, there's two, there's another swear that I wish they, they would have left into Disney plus it? when they're talking about the Southern Democrat, uh, Democrat. I love that line so much. <laughs> the only reason I did find out, I found this out. They had to cut any, any F words if they wanted a PG ring. For instance, in this song, they say, but right. Allowed in a PG-13 movie. You're only allowed one F-bomb in a PG-13 movie, so they had to cut out the other ones so they can have their one. I don't even know where the one is. I'm not going to lie. I don't even remember where the one F-bomb is in this movie. <laughs> I don't remember. But that's why it's like that. Okay. All right. Yeah. Well, because that's funny, too, because we watched Free Guy the other day, and they drop an F-bomb on there. And I was like, oh, I didn't one. expect it. Yeah. But one. One. That's right. It's the one. It wasn't the other day. It was, like, at the beginning of the year. Well, Nobody will know that when this airs. Weird, <laughs> yeah. but um, basically, you know, we we find out who's been feeding them information this whole time to make sure that they know this plan is going to work, and it's none other than our friend Hercules Mulligan. And uh, what's his name? Oak. They just call him Oak, right? Oak. It's easier that way. I love him. I, he's great. He comes out and he's just like Hercules Mulligan. You know, he's, it's all excited and like it's almost like when you like at a pep rally and they the team bursts through the paper. Like that's how he comes uh -huh. in and everybody celebrates him. Yeah. <laughs> He's a I love this moment. It's such a great uh, moment. It's an energetic yeah. moment. You can't, you can't, you get into it. And like, for instance, you said the curse word's not there. Yeah. You just take a walk anyway. It doesn't matter. It's there. <laughs> you can take a walk. By the way, but it pretty, I have the captions on on Disney plus on my phone. I always do that when I'm doing this kind of show. And they, yeah. they have like, yeah. um, star, 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 star. <laughs> the screen lyrics, which is very funny. Yeah. <laughs> that, I never noticed it. Cause Rose, you put the uh, stuff on sometimes, don't you? Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. Cause he basically explains, explains that he's a tink, tinker, tailor, uh, soldier spy, you know, type thing. He's been spying on the British government. I like how he, cause he's a tailor for real. He says, I take their measurements and then their information and I smuggle it to my brothers in the revolution, you know, and, and all that good stuff. And it mentions the Sons of Liberty, which Hercules Mulligan was a member of. Mm -hmm. I don't need any introduction. When you knock me down, I get, that's where he goes. I get the F back up again. You know, everybody's like, what, what, you know, <laughs> it's, it's pretty great. It's pretty mm -hmm. great. I guess more information about him too. He's a pretty fascinating guy in real life. So then it kind of gets a little more somber, right? And they're like, after a week of fighting, which is, it was. A I, I, I do want to say though, I love the dance break. The dance break yeah. is fantastic. Like I got to give credit to the dance break because I have to give credit to one Alex Lockamore who does all the choreography for this production. Okay. He's also, if you go look up Alex Lockamore, he has like a list of credits. Like it's an insane list. Like he was part of like Jeremy Hansen and like, I think he did the greatest showman and like he shows oh. up everywhere. So nice. like he, he did the choreography for this. I don't know if you've ever heard of the podcast, the Hamilcast. Yeah, I have. Yeah. Yeah. Julian, um, Julian over the Hamilcast interviewed um, Alec Lackmore on that oh, nice. show. It did like a four-part interview. And he details like little details of every little song in here. Like, for instance, on Wait For It. You were talking about Wait For It. 
way back uh-huh. when. And you were wondering why they had Burr looking at the back of the stage. Explanation for that. And Alec Lockmore explained it. He said he's opening himself up and bringing people in from the back so he has an audience now to talk to. And the more people that come out, he's bringing them into his world, which is what we're doing. We're coming into his world. It's little details like that that Alex explains. Nice. Yeah, we, that's something we haven't really focused a lot on, is it, Rose? Like a key moment like Hercules Mulligan coming in and, and jumping around or like like we'll mention that. But we really don't focus a lot on on the the actual like dancing or sometimes we mention like when the stage goes backwards, right? Like like that's kind of neat. It is on two. By the way, it is two. It's actually most um, most um, stages have one um, turntable. They have two. Okay. Which is why it's interesting when you watch this, this spinning a lot of times. That's why they're able to do a lot of those really cool things. But they put they set up two turntables. They're the only theater in New York that has two. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, so yeah, I mean, so after that they get into the whole they basically they see a soldier with a white flag, you know, after a week, after a week of fighting, um, they lower the guns and just like that, you know, soldiers come out, we count our dead, you know, we tend to our wounded. I think Lawrence even asked, like, does this mean you know, freedom for all and Washington's like not yet, <laughs> which is is true. And then they talk about you know they talk they negotiate in terms of surrender. Um, we as, escort the men out of Yorktown. And this is where we get the world turned upside down. Apparently they they they're saying that the the British when they're leaving sing this like bar song. Actually, it's actually accurate according to Chernow's book. That is the line. That is the actual title of the song that they sang. Lynn yes. just wrote a different song around it, but that's the actual title. Yeah, yeah, that's a, it's a real song. It's, yeah, I got a little info on that too. We'll we'll hit. I'm gonna high level hit some of this stuff. When he said that, I'm like, that was in there for a reason. <laughs> like he didn't just say, "Oh, I I made something up." There, you know, there's something here, and they do they do a great job though of of taking something that really happened and then giving it like a metaphor of the world turning upside down, which is Americans like upsetting, you know, David beating Goliath, and and now everything's going to be different. Like you said, Rose, like it's. You know, it's it's just changed. You know, it's funny. I can see Lynn. Like, here's the line I read in the book. I'm going to take that line and write a song. I think I feel like happened here. He took that line. He's like, oh, they have this line. Oh, there's my song. I'm going to go from there. <laughs> right. Yeah. Well, the one thing I like about that when it says when they're doing the world turn upside down, it's really like slow. You know, it's like so- soft. And I like how as they're getting the props in place, they're all upside down. And then they put them right side up. And then, so it's, it's a neat way to get something on stage that you need to do for what, what you want, which basically like what Lafayette, I think Lawrence, definitely Hamilton. Washington's in the back. I think, I don't think he's down. Right. And then, so, but they all basically get up on like stools and they're like, uh, well, you know, I like what um, Lafayette he goes freedom for America, freedom for France. And he yells it. And then, you know, we got to start a new nation, got to meet my son. That's Hamilton. And then they all say, we won, we won, we won. And then the, they end with the whole <laughs> Right. The world turned upside down and it's like, boom, that's it. It's done. Right. Mm-hmm. Now, the way they like stop too, like, and they just wait for the applause. Like they knew that that was going to be like a big moment. Like, all right, don't everybody freeze for a minute because everybody's going to clap and be excited about what just happened. Yeah. I, funny part is I know a lot of people that throw the show. And they're like, I feel like this should have been when the intermission break is. This should have been when the intermission was. That's <laughs> exactly what I was going to say. I was totally going to say that. Don't you? Doesn't it seem like that, Rose? 
Yeah, you, the first time we watched this, after this song, you said, oh, is this going to be the intermission? Yeah. You said something like that. <laughs> I think, and I brought it up the other day when we were recording. I met, I referenced this as being the last song, and he went, no, it's it's nonstop is the last song. <laughs> and I'm like, I think there's like two or three more songs after, the, at least two, right? Because there's, there's Dare Theodosia. There's also what comes next. That's the next song. You still got a whole other King song to go. Oh, right. Yeah, we got a King song. <laughs> Which, honestly, that could have been the, the last song, too, though. Like, all right, I'm leaving. You know, I'm the King. <laughs> what are you going to do? But but the way it ends, it just seems like that would be like the lights go down and then the intermission sign comes up. That's what it seems like to me. But then we get three more songs. <laughs> all, all good songs. All storytelling, too. I have a fact about the Battle of Yorktown. Oh, let, ended let's hear it. On October 19th, 1781. And it ended the fighting, but I think you said the war didn't officially end until 1783. That's correct. So that was the last major battle, the last big offensive. But there was still some other, because as we know, Lawrence dies in a skirmish with the British like mm-hmm. a year or two later. I forget. I forget. I have it yeah. somewhere. But um, there, on that song, it says that, I don't think it's a song, but uh, it says that uh, the British didn't know that the war was over. That That's that's also, that happens. All right, so the War of 1812, you've heard of that, right? It's yeah. some, some of it is known as like the, the War of the Second, you know, the Second Revolution, basically. You know, the sequel this time is personal. So the Battle of New Orleans in 1814 with Colonel Jackson, you know, who we later go on to be president, Andrew Jackson. All I know is the song. The song, exactly. That battle, the, the Americans just destroyed the British in that. They took very few casualties. The British took a ton of casualties. They just completely annihilated them in that battle. The war was already over by that point. The British and the Americans had already been doing a ceasefire over in, like overseas, but because you know, word takes so long to travel back then. They they were still fighting as if the war was still ongoing, which is too bad because the Americans could have been in a better bargaining position with how much they defeated them. But it didn't matter. They had already been negotiating as like a truce, basically. <laughs> so it's just that's just what happens back then. Communication is not what it is today. Mm-hmm. You know, that was the last major offensive. And then it said in March of 1782, which is not a few, only a few months later, the British Parliament basically said they passed a resolution calling for the end of the war. So that essentially was like the end of fighting, but it wasn't until 1783 where they actually signed a peace treaty in Paris. So Yorktown was not supposed to be the big battle or whatever. So it, you know, as we said, it was the last battle, the last major battle of the American Revolution. Rose, you and I already talked about this. Rochambeau showed up in like rhode island with troops but then he couldn't sync up with um with washington just yet so uh what they originally they were gonna because the war was being fought on two fronts cornwallis was in the south and he was really really kicking butt of course thanks to the patriot uh mel gibson he was keeping him busy down there so he couldn't Mm -hmm. sync up with the (laughs) the guys up north general clinton i guess was in charge at that time in new york city there was thought to hey let's take out let's take back new york city however the french fleet ended up heading to chesapeake bay in virginia so the, Washington's like, all right, we got to get out of here. So th- there was this whole elaborate thing to basically trick the the, uh, the British in New York that they were still there. Like they, they put up brick ovens and to make it look like they were going to stay there in the long haul. But meanwhile, they only kept a few people behind and they shipped them all down to South Carolina. And they arrived in uh, Williamsburg, which 
Williamsburg, Virginia now has a, it's like colonial Williamsburg. It's like a big, uh, yeah, it's like, <laughs> they, they have like, you know, six flags, I think is there too. But <laughs> I thought it was in New Jersey. What's that? I thought that was in There's New one in New Jersey and one in Pennsylvania. There's two of them. And, and Williamsburg is only about 13 miles from Yorktown. And that's where Cornwallis was. So Cornwallis had about 10 small forts and they called them a redoubts. I think if I'm saying I'm saying it correctly, and he had artillery and trenches and everything. He, so he was he was hunkered down. So it was about four thousand French soldiers and about twenty five hundred Americans, and they were facing about eight thousand British troops. So that's when we talk about about a week long battle on October 9th, after you know making some defenses and some of their own trenches. Washington started just shelling uh, with artillery the British, and I think it was on the eleventh they had knocked out a lot of the British guns. So this is where Hamilton gets to step up. In order to create more trenches, in order to take the British out more, he needed to have two of these like forts, these redoubts, nine and ten being t- taken out. I think Lafayette takes is in, in responsible in the French for taking out number nine, but number ten gets to go to Hamilton. One of the things that I read was that Lafayette didn't want Hamilton to lead that charge. It was actually Hamilton convinced Washington to appoint him, and he did it. This is where I had seen that it said Washington had ordered them to use bayonets. However, I, I can totally believe that uh, Hamilton was the one who made that decision. He was put in charge. He was a lieutenant colonel, I think. No, he was uh, he was a colonel by that point. Yeah, a bit of yeah. colonel. A full bird, as they would call him today. So, and then, all right, so this is from Chernoff's book, and I, and uh, or Chernow, I always say Chernoff. Um, hey, I'm Chernow, horrible Chernow. with names. It's Chernoff. Yeah. It's Chernoff, you're right. Yeah. <laughs> so he says, it's one Chernow. That's how you yeah. pronounce it. They, I am. I am really bad at pronouncing names, and uh, I just when I think I'm going to be better, I'm not. It says after nightfall on October 14th, the Allies fired several concussive. I'm sorry, not concussive, consecutive shells, and it lit up the the sky. So at that point, Hamilton and his men um, basically rallied from the trenches, and they sprinted about a quarter mile across the open field, fixing fixed bayonets, just boom, charging. And they said, for the sake of silence, surprise, and uh, soldier, soldiery pride, they unloaded their guns, and they took they, they fixed bayonets, and they were dodging heavy fire, and they were screaming like, you know, like war cries, you know, show me your war face. Ah! So they were doing that, and they said the whole operation lasted less than ten minutes. So, and and wow. they took they took the guns. <laughs> Hamilton had about four hundred men under his charge. He had lost only nine. And thirty wow. wounded. That's really not that bad. <laughs> Considering, that yeah. And then, um, and the French had about four hundred as well. They lost twenty-seven men with one hundred nine wounded. So they they took greater losses. So yeah, they they were able to surround the enemy, and they they basically um, at that point the French had blocked any retreat by Cornwallis. In fact, he had tried to sneak out one night by sea and a storm came in. So it totally prevented it. So uh, yeah, the, the British were just, I'm the British, I always say British, but the French were just hanging out uh, outside of Chesapeake, Chesapeake Bay, preventing any reinforcements from coming in from that way or, or Cornwallis getting out, which again, they bring that up on the Patriot, don't they? Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, that's when they said on the morning of October 19th, the British sent out a red-coated drummer boy, and then shortly after, a white a handkerchief, white white handkerchief-waving um, officer came out on the parapet. And as Mel Gibson likes to point out in the Patriot, that Cornwallis didn't even bother to come out and surrender his own sword. He sent he sent an underling out to do it. Mm-hmm. So I don't know if that's true or not. I didn't see that. I mean, that's the gist of the Battle of Yorktown. I mean, I'm sure there's way more detail we can get into, but I really was interested in what Hamilton did and. 
guys have anything extra about Yorktown you want to talk about? Nope. I have one note about the music. Yeah. That, um, you like the references. You always like what references they go back to for like the, um, like what he's inspired by. This whole song was inspired by Buster Rhymes. Really? His, his really? Style, yeah. His style of Buster Rhymes is actually how he based his song buff. So oh, like he, yeah, oh. how he explained it is like Buster Rhymes, a soft, loud, soft technique. And that's how this song is made. And that's how he did it based on Buster Rhymes songs. It's we've, we've started to kind of find some information about that. Didn't we? Like we like uh DMX X uh, up in here. Mm-hmm. like that was party one of yeah it's <laughs> party up in here you're right you're right um yeah yeah and i guess you can see like it, it is quiet but then like like i was going to just mention a little bit about mulligan because i thought this was interesting about him and it, that would be one of the louder parts i guess right <laughs> oh yeah <laughs> um because we didn't really talk too much about mulligan when we first met him before i just it's high level he met hamilton at king's college uh they lived together for a short time they both joined the Sons of Liberty, and it was actually Mulligan that kind of pushed Hamilton to being more of a patriot and less of a Tory, which Tory kind of supported the, the the Brits themselves. So, but they they joined the Sons of Liberty, and he had a brother that had a I think an accounting firm or something like that, and he went and worked for that briefly before he became a tailor. So the reason he was able to be, get all this information from the British as a, just a tailor, he catered to like the wealthy and like the upper class of New York City including high-ranking British officers. Even though he had tailors working for him, he would come out and ingratiate himself to these people. Hey, how you doing? Glad hand him all this stuff. He's very friendly with them. So much so that when the war was over, people thought that he was a loyalist to the British. They were mad at him. So George Washington showed up and like personally shopped at his like tailor place just to show that Washington had appreciation for him. And then he put a sign up saying, this is Washington's personal tailor or something like that. I love that. That's great. (laughs) That's funny. That was the best thank you ever. That really was the best thank you of all time. (laughs) Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Because Mulligan saved his life twice, saved Washington's life twice with information that he smuggled to him. So there was a slave named Cato that either worked for Mulligan or just worked at the shop that he had. It never said that Mulligan owned him. Anyways, his name. So his name was Cato. So it was like one time this British officer came in. And he was like, hey, you know, I need my I need a night coat and I need it now. And he's like, well, why would you need it? And and so he was probing him for info. He's like, oh, actually, we got word that Washington's going to be meeting some guys here. So we're going to go, you know, we're going to go capture him. So he quick sent Cato out and, and, they, they, and he warned Washington and changed his plans. And then another time there was, um, I think Washington was supposed to take a, a, a ship and meet somebody, you know, meet more of his, his troops. And Mulligan's brother, Hugh, was in charge with loading the, the boat of the ship that was going to go intercept Washington. So he quick told Mulligan. Mulligan went and told Cato. Cato ran and told <laughs> Washington. He changed his plan. So that was twice they were going to capture him. They had a plan all set, and Mulligan warned him in enough time so that it didn't happen. But, but one of the things they said about Mulligan being able to get so much information was the British, especially like the gentlemanly officers, they treated the help, and he was just a tailor, as like non-existent. So they would just openly talk in front of him. <laughs> and so he would get information, right? And then one of the things that they said too is there was a couple times Cato actually got beat up and arrested by the British one time. So did Mulligan, but they can never find anything that stuck. So they they never really punished him, even though they tried. So a few people suspected that he might have been a spy, uh, but it never stuck. That's a little bit about Mul. Oh, and oh, sorry. One more thing. Another way he was able to get ingratiated to the British is he married the daughter of some high ranking like British naval officer or something like that. So again, they were like, oh, we trust him. He's like your son-in-law. <laughs> he was totally a spy. 
did uh, his wife know he was a spy? You know what? It didn't never got into that. That's a good question. I, and I wonder if, I mean, she could have been going against her father, but and at the same time, maybe she would have been very upset <laughs> if it had learned that he was a spy and going against you know the family. They got married in Trinity Church in New York, and then he's buried there too. So is Hamilton and Eliza. Right. In fact, Mulligan is buried right next to Hamilton. Oh. He was like 80 years old when he passed away. Shouldn't Eliza be buried next to Hamilton? You would think, but you know. I think they are. I think they might I be, but. He asked your sides. Exactly. Exactly. They're, they were buddies. He's got his wife and he's got his buddy, you know? <laughs> so I, I thought that was cool. Of course, we already talked about Lafayette. I know he said, I said he attacked. No, on number nine. I don't know if he did, but he was, when he came back from France with, with you know, and co- coordinate a lot of the support that, that was, they were going to help. He he was like a division. Uh, he had three divisions as under his command at the uh, battle of Yorktown. So he was, he was pretty important during that. Yeah. Not, not too much else about him. And then Lawrence was in, he was in South Carolina in like Savannah at one point, but he came back and he helped negotiate like he was with he was with Hamilton when they took Redoubt Number Ten, so that's why I'm saying like when he says having his friend with him, I, I think in the song he met Lafayette, but in real life, Lawrence was with him during that charge. I think he said Lawrence rejoined Washington in time for Yorktown campaign, where he joined Alexander Hamilton and others in the capture of Redoubt Number Ten, and then on October 18th, Lawrence served as the American commissioner at the Moore House to work out the terms of Cornwallis's surrender. After Yorktown, Lawrence' promising future was cut short because on August 25th, 1782, British gunfire at Combahee Ferry in South Carolina, he took fire and he, he perished in that skirmish. I said in an episode or two ago, or it's probably a couple episodes back now, Rose, that Lawrence's father went with Ben Franklin over to France to negotiate like a loan in some of these terms. It was actually John Lawrence himself. Yeah, I got I got that wrong, but in this little like little short biography about him, they mentioned that's one of the things he did prior to Yorktown. Where'd you get the biography? This is on nps.gov, which oh. is National Park Services, and it's an article about Lieutenant Colonel John Lawrence. Oh, I didn't know if it was like Wikipedia, then that probably oh, wouldn't be true. No, I try to I try to find different you know different things about people so i'll link i'll link that in the show notes in case anybody's interested because you know there again as much as i can ramble on and on or just read these articles aloud because i'm just fascinated by it there's it's just too much to put in in the show and i'm sure pe- people hear about the songs they're not here about my you know my history obsession so we'll link it if you want to read it go go for it it's it's there if you want it and it's and it's there if you don't want it it's still there <laughs> rose do you do you want to rank this song now sure on a scale of one to ten Nine. Nine? That's pretty or solid. 8.5. Maybe 8.5. 8.5, so you're going down. How? So so why did you go down 0.5 just now? I don't know. Well, when the, when I first said nine, I thought it was like super good. Uh-huh. Uh, but when I said 8.5, I realized it probably wasn't as good as I thought it was. It's oh. still really good. But okay. Like, hey, we all have different tastes. That's fine. It's still You're still ranked it pretty high. And also because it's like rap and hip hop. I don't really. Yeah. It's I mean, got a lot. I, Hamilton makes that good, but I still don't really like it that much. I gotcha. mean, I like Hamilton. The music is good, but. Gotcha. So, Blake, what do you rank it? 11? I jokingly upheld, like, I've been saying 11. It's a 10 for me. This is by far, like I said, this is my favorite, one of my favorite songs on the entire show. Like, I actually have this on a personal playlist of mine just because I have to jam to it in the morning on the way to work. Like, it's one of those songs. <laughs> it really is. I mean, it's, it's, I mean, I'll give it, I'll give it a, 
I'll give it a 10, whatever. I'm going to do it. I was going to say like 9.8, you know, just be silly, but I'll give it a 10. I like it because to me, it's the end of act one. The other three songs we get are almost like a, a like a, like a Marvel movie where they have the mid credit sequence. Like I was like a coda. I feel like yeah. the end of the, like nonstop is a coda to set up part act two. I thought it feels like yeah. sometime you listen to it. Yeah, that's exactly it. It's like, I mean, I could totally see that. You know, I was joking about the Marvel thing, but you could easily see the King coming in and doing his, like what comes next as your mid credit scene. <laughs> and it's all set up for, you know, part two, basically. And the same with Dear Theodosia. And then also nonstop, it's like, okay, you know, we're getting a little, that's more of a, to me, nonstop is more of a epilogue, you know, where the others yeah, are more I, of a preview. Setting up, setting up, it's really setting up back to, it's really yeah. what nonstop is for. Yeah, it's, it's good. I mean, it, we'll get into that, you know, soon because right around the corner, but um, the song is amazing. It changes enough where it's like slow, exciting, slow, exciting, you know, like that. The lyrics are great. Throw in some true historical context for it. You know, I like to think of myself as the uber patriot, you know, rah, rah, America, you know, I'm jingoistic all the way. So I love the whole fact that they basically win the war and like, it's like, we won, we won. <laughs> like, and then the fact that we're celebrating what these guys did in real life. And it's like, to me, it's just super amazing. Like, I, I won't say it's emotional. I think definitely like a Dear Theodosia, way more an emotional song, <laughs> but like, it's quite a pound is more emotional. <laughs> that is a song. Well, that that's like, that's like a gut wrench, right? <laughs> So there's a, <laughs> I have the soundtrack to Anchorman. And one of the favorite bits of that is Ron Burgundy narrates, he, he, he sets up each song and why it's on the soundtrack for Anchorman as, you know, Will Ferrell's in character. But there's this one sad song and he's like, I, I don't know if I have this in me. And he's like, just play the song. But throughout the song, he's like, oh, I'm sorry. I'm glad I'm in full of emotion. <laughs> like That'll be me when we're recording the episode. <laughs> I do not. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> that, that, I'm happy I did not. I'm not coming on for that one because that <laughs> one is emotional. <laughs> that one. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But but I mean it's it's uh yeah I'm I'm a big fan of Yorktown. Uh, it's exciting. You know it's it's celebratory. It's got some cool lines as far as you know Hercules Mulligan and immigrants get it done. Like to me it's a crowd pleaser. I mean I I assume more people besides us three really like this one I would imagine, I you know. Well, interesting. Yeah. Also I just thought about this cuz I'm looking ahead. I think this is the last we hear from except for Lawrence obviously we have that one scene with Lawrence in a yeah. minute. But like this is the last time we see Mulligan and Lafayette. Right. We're done. Yeah. We're done with that. Yeah. And they changed over obviously for act 2. The actors come back but the characters are done. Right. As if one throwaway line, I think during a comment battle, we're done with them. Yeah. And that's, you know, that's partly why I wanted to kind of, when I, when I researched a little bit more about Mulligan, I'm like, this guy is fascinating and we're not going to get a chance to talk about him again. No, we'll get to talk about Oak plenty. <laughs> He's going to go on yeah, to be. Able to, yeah. What I appreciate about this show in general is the fact that you have these two actors flip-flop, like three of them actually, technically Lawrence too, but like they yeah. completely change their entire attitude to do two completely different roles. Four because what's her name? Uh, Jasmine. Peggy. Yeah, Peggy and uh, Miranda Lambert. Miranda, not Miranda Lambert. Miranda, yeah. um, name. I can't think of her name right now, but I know what you're talking about. But she's another one that also turns really well and it's really awesome. Oh, yeah. It's totally different character. <laughs> Diggs did win the Tony for this. Okay. He did win the Tony. So that's a big deal. Like, yeah. he, that was one of the, by the way, talking about Tony Awards, that category for act for the lead actor. The lead actor was one of the most stacked categories I've ever seen in my life because it was four character people from this from this show. 
Oh, wow. was it was Lynn, Leslie Odom Jr. Oh, no, Leslie Odom Jr. won, beat Lynn in that category. And then in the, uh, I think it was um, the secondary category for actors. And that's the one David Diggs won to beat like Jonathan Groff and Oak. And like, it, was, it was one of the weirdest things I've ever seen. Like, this is crazy. But yeah, Lynn did not win actor. Oh, and Leslie Odom Jr. did. Oh, so that's interesting. It's interesting, but I, I guess I can see it. I, I don't know. I, I mean, I, I would have to give it to Lin Manuel Miranda only for the fact that I can't think of Han- Alexander Hamilton anymore without thinking of him. <laughs> you know, uh-huh. you're right. All right. So I don't have anything else before we get into Rose's fun facts. Do you have anything else, uh, Blake? I am out. Okay. So Rose, do you have Rose's fun facts? Yeah, uh, we already kind of said this, but the war ended in 1781. Well, perfect. Pretty simple. That's a pretty fun fact because the ending of war is has got to be fun because war is not war is not fun. <laughs> no. Yeah. True. Okay. I mean, <laughs> depends. You could maybe you're just you really like the action. You're a sociopath. It could be fun. <laughs> well, yeah, there's always people out there that need you know like like a like a general Patton. They need the war. You know. They. <laughs> I, I mean, I don't have anything else for Yorktown. So. uh Blake, I appreciate you coming on. Uh, before you tell everybody, you know where they can find you. Do you have any like final thoughts about the show overall? I know we kind of we did talk about a bunch of different stuff, but if you got anything else you just want to add about the show itself, please do, and then then tell everybody where they can find you. Um, honestly, the only thing I will say is that while well, this is my one of my this is by far my favorite song in the show. Later on, the second act I think is so well written, such a well written second act because they have to squeeze so much in to like an hour. Like, it's so much stuff to have to squeeze in. And you get from, we're ending the war here to, by the end of Act 2, we have to have him killed off. Like, so much has to happen to get there. And it's so well done for that, in my personal opinion. Spoilers. But, ooh, ow, spoiler <laughs> alert. As for, as for me, you um, obviously, you can hear me on the Look South Show with Mark every single Friday. I, I'm not going to BS you, but it's mostly a wrestling podcast nowadays. <laughs> you can blame the extremely busy wrestling world for that. Uh, but it's turned into now, but mostly a wrestling podcast. But we talk about other things every so often. I do have um, my own personal um, move of my minute. Um, the shows, I host um, Clerks Minute Reboot, which I'm not sure when this episode is dropping. But we are returning with our third full season covering Jane Salabot Reboot, five minutes at a time. Coming on Memorial Day is when that starts. Tying in with actually the announcement. It sounds like Clerks 3 is going to be announced this summer. So we're trying to tie it in with that. And we're going to um, Fan Expo Chicago. And I'm going to finally meet Kevin Smith. So we're tying wow. everything together with all that going on. That's awesome. So that's that. I also um, host the Entertainment Apex, which has covered the movie Rent and covered Miracle. And I'm going to be covering Hairspray in 2023. And if anyone that's a hockey fan also wants to follow um, D3 The Mighty Ducks, which D5 The Mighty Ducks, which I covered all three Mighty Ducks films five minutes at a time. So I did a lot. I, I'm always busy. I'm always doing something. And um, I'm, I'm happy to be here doing this, though, because I, I don't get to talk Hamilton that often. So I'm very happy to do this. Yeah, we're very happy to have you. So thanks again for joining. Yeah, thanks. Thank you for listening to Hamilton Shot by Shot. You can find us, Rose and Brian, at Hamilton Shot by Shot on Instagram, Hamilton Shot by Shot on Facebook, and Hamilton underscore SBS on Twitter. Well, this podcast has been turned upside down, so I think it's time to go. Yeah.